Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast for episode number 144. I am your host, David Palermo, and as always, follow us everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Numb Bills Fan, check it out. NumbBillsFan.com also has a playlist of our old episodes, and you can click through to get onto our Etsy store if you want to support the podcast. So please check it out. Maybe you might find some merchandise you like. Also, if you're listening through GrandSandSportsNetwork.com, thank you. Check them out. Best view in sports. A lot of great podcasts on there that play in time slots. And lastly, brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. Three comedians with a podcast about sports. Punch Drunk Sports with Ari Shafir, Sam Tripoli, and Jason Tebow, who we just had on on podcast number 141. Jason Tebow is awesome. Please check that out. Big, huge Falcons fan. And uh, thank you to him coming on. Also, Ari Shafir has a comedy special on Netflix called Double Negative. Make sure you check that out. Ari's awesome. Also, on a side note, go on YouTube. You like comedy? Type in This Is Not Happening. Great show that was on Comedy Central. Please check that out. Really love it. Henry Rollins did one. Um, And a bunch of comedians like Joey Diaz. Great time. And as always, check out Sam Tripoli's new podcast, the Tinfoil Hat Podcast, and he also has a comedy album, album out coming, or already out, called The Diabolical. So check that out on iTunes, and that's it. Right on the line right now, I have Kevin Masseri from CoverOne.net and Lockdown Bills on the line. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Dave. How are you? Good to hear from you again. Your voice is so, like, silky smooth, and we didn't even bullshit before I called you. Yeah, good. No, I'm excited. Like, I haven't been on Numb in a couple of weeks, so it'll be good to rock. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, it's nice to have you back. Um, real quick, I wanted to make a point about a uh, quarter way through the season. The Bills are three and one. Um, a favorite coach I used to rip on, Doug Marone, who just blew a game punting the ball in his own territory, which is great. So. Doug Marone would break the season into quarters. At least that's what the coach speak he would bring to the pressers was. Every coach has their thing, um, you know, and so his was we look at the quarter, the, the, the quarter at a time during the season. So what are your thoughts on the three-and-one start? I think it's um, pretty unexpected. I had them two-and-two two at this point, um, and, I, and I was pretty – and you know and many know I'm a pretty – pro positive side of the bills coverage um, or at least tend to be even when things are gloom um, so even i had them at about two and two through this through this course so it is even a game better than i had predicted um, i expected a, a loss against either denver or atlanta and they ended up winning them both especially after that carolina carolina loss it looked like two and two was where they were going to be um, so to see them at three and one and, and really beating two former Super Bowl teams, two of the four former Super Bowl teams um, playing the th- third in Carolina. I mean, it's I, I would say it's a pretty been but a pretty hard stretch, Dave. Yeah. And honestly, let's be real. You're kicking off a division win game one. OK, against the Jets and a lot of guys run the league. You know, when the team is down and they get a win, even against a depleted team in the middle of the season that's in their division. Who's 500, by the way. Right. But but usually guys go, people go, oh, well, that, 
you know, that was a good win. That's two wins because it's within the, the division. And let's be real here. They knock off a division opponent. They lose to an NFC team that doesn't matter. That, oh, by the way, beat the team that is always number one in your division. So you really are now three and one. You also knocked off the Denver Broncos, which no matter what has a great defense. I don't care what anybody says. They've been really put to the test. These first four games defensively, we're talking about, oh man, this front seven's good. Okay. Going to Carolina, you know, like that's a good front seven going to Denver, a different front seven, good front seven. You know, going to Atlanta, I had Jason Tebow on. Man, all he's talking about is how the Bills are going to lose even their depth is so deep, and da 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 and it's like, it's not what I saw. It, yeah, it, no, I mean, I, I think you have to give the Jets credit, too, because they, although they're beating up on some of the lowest-end teams, they're not as bad as a pushover as people think. Uh, they're not picking first overall. Um, they're going to beat Cleveland this week to be, you know, 3-2. and two. So uh, you, you, you have a situation there to where the Jets aren't as bad as people thought. I saw that week one where, I, where I've always toted, except their little laps against Oakland, I've always toted the Jets have a good defense. Um, I even think after making the, their trade that they did, they, you know, they're still a strong team, and especially like you mentioned in their front seven. Uh, you, you played two to three tremendous front sevens. Um, I would say not uh, – except Denver's, who seemed to have been struggling, uh, not a crazy good defensive backfield um, in any of the, the teams you've played so far. So um, especially with Atlanta starting uh, KZ, their fifth-round pick at safety. Uh, the Jets don't have a great secondary. Denver's is good but hasn't been performing to their standards. Um, and Carolina's is average. So, I mean, I would say that there's been some room there in the secondary, but their front sevens have all been really good. Um, and, you know, that that's really showed in their three and one start. And that's actually been part of the reason Tyrod's been able to find a little bit of success um, because I, I don't really believe any of the first four secondaries have been very good. And then you, you're going to go into play a Cincinnati team who's another underperforming secondary and Adam Jones, who's taking a step back, uh, who's also a little banged up and Kirkpatrick, who's a little banged up as well. So you're, you're not really playing any of the, the premier secondaries right now. And uh, actually, Someone that's going to have a premier secondary based on PFF is, you know, the Bills, believe it or not, uh, would, would be considered a very, very good secondary through the first four games. Uh, one that was ranked nationally as the one of the worst units in all of football, all of football, Dave, not just the Bills, not just AFC, all of football units was the Bills secondary. Uh, now, you know, can, now I, can I rebuttal on that? Go ahead. Um, I'm always the one to crush the national media. Uh, the reason sure. we made content, you know, you had building the herd podcast going on and, and that yep. that brand with uh rob quinn there shout out to him at uh bills what is wire, it? Yep. yeah billswire.usatoday.com so shout out to rob um you know we couldn't find information about this team and Absolutely. nationally these guys they just look at the beat reporter how do you not trust a guy that's there for 20 plus years how do you not trust him he's right there that's a guy. We got to trust him, you know? And frankly, that it's like I can't blame the media nationally this time to rank the Bills secondary that bad. I mean, let's be real here. Can you? Because they all have proven nothing I, except for I think it's lazy, Gaines, but nobody I think knew. it's lazy. I think at least with the local media, they can claim, like you saw them, they're there at least. With the national media, I think it's lazy to not view it with your own eyes. And one of the initial, you know, 
um, conversations I had with some national media members were that they weren't there. Like, how can you make these opinions not seeing this team? Uh, to me, Tredavious White was always a standout from day one. So to rank them, you know, at, at, I, I'm not saying they should have been ranked top five or anything, but to rank them as the worst unit in all of football was just was just crazy to me. Like you weren't standing there. Um, and the, the problem with the local media is that they're they're going off of negative feelings. They don't really even want to cover the team. Um, they're there to, you know, they're getting, they're collecting their check and they just expect the same results as the past 17 years. Yeah. So. When you see, when you see guys uh, getting together on Twitter, tweeting each other, Oh, we're going to roast Whaley this time. It's like, dude, have you ever been punched in the mouth? Like, why would you do that to somebody? You know, you yeah. want to plan to go attack a guy where you don't think he hates his life every day that, you know what I mean? When it comes to, I don't know, these guys get it hard enough, lay off them. You know, there's enough idiots out there yep. and, uh, you know, so no, exactly. I'm, I'm so, with you. I just think it's the, lazy of the national mm-hmm. media day. That's all. That's all. You know what's lazy too is power rankings and all sorts of garbage. And the Bills, I don't want to give them more credit than they deserve, and I don't want to not give them enough credit. But let's be real: the one difference about the Bills is the Bills aren't billsing themselves, and always it's the Bills shooting themselves in the foot. How many dumb personal foul penalties do we have? Uh, I don't think any. Right, so. I'm pretty stoked that the Bills aren't doing stupid shit. Sure. And yeah, no, that's and they go, oh well, they catch the brakes. They catch the brakes. No, no, no. I don't think it's that. You know what it is? Is as a Bills fan in the past watching teams that I would deny are unorganized. Get it together. You got to save it the coach. You got to save it the coach, which is true. Um, but in this microwave coaching thing we've had here in at One Bills Drive, you have to look at it like this: is the less mistakes you make, the less stupid you appear to the refs, to the whole national media, your perception will change. So if you guys don't shoot yourself in the foot, don't do stupid shit, don't like throw somebody afterwards, you know, it's kind of like you don't talk shit. They hear you out there. If you could change your perception just a little bit, and that's why Sean McDermott was brought in. Hey, this is no nonsense. We're going to be cool. We're going to have a good sense of humor. We're going to work hard. We're going to get our work done. We're going to go home. Trust the process. Okay, cool. Well, that's going to transcend through the league. And I think the Bills are going to make less mistakes continuously. They're going to get more breaks because those breaks are going to be more noticeable is my main point. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 to, to kind of pick up where you left off, I have a friend who actually covers and, and cares about the Packers in-depthly. Um, and one of the biggest things he has against Bills fans is, A, he thinks we rank quarterback at too high of a premium. Easy to say coming from someone that has a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' skill set. Um, also says, you know, one of the biggest things mistakes that Bills make is they don't give their coaching staff enough opportunity to win, a, win, win football games. Um, after three seasons – isn't it isn't necessarily enough and in our case two seasons uh isn't a lot isn't enough to tell how good your team's going to be and if you keep giving up on coaches every two years you need to turn over your your rosters one of the biggest problems there is that um you know in his opinion the team is always flipping over you're cutting 30 40 players you're changing schemes and we saw that you know pretty bluntly with rex ryan and i think it was finally obvious to see you take a 4-3 scheme turn it into a 3-4 scheme it doesn't work you turn back to a 4-3 scheme and it starts to work again i mean it's pretty obvious what happened there Dave, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist um, y- y- to know. You want to know something, though? I will tell you. Um, you bring a Wade Phillips in town, that defense is going to work. You bring in Mike Pettin from a 4-3 before, or whatever the hell, um, what's his name there, was running? Uh, uh, Schwartz. Edwards. Edwards. 
Uh, no, not Twan. Who the hell was the offensive co- or the defensive coordinator for the Bills under Jim Gailey? Jim and then it was uh, the stash. Wanstash. Uh, it was Wanstat. So the Bills went from Wanstat to Mike Pettin, who was, you know, Rex's understudy. So you might be thinking of Perry Fuel too. Right. No, well, it was Perry it was Perry Fuel and then, you know, that was under Duran. Who was actually good. Yeah, and yeah, they should have George kept, Edwards was under Gailey and was terrible, then they went to uh, Well, George Edwards went, was trying to rock this hybrid kind of thing or at least that's what they called it and i don't think they gave him enough time but whatever um and then they brought in Wanstash, and, and pretty much it just killed chain Gailey's career in buffalo because he, he won't shoot anybody under the bus and he went down on a sword for him um long story short it's like they were in a 4-3 mike Patton was brought in they went to a 3-4 schwartz was brought in they went to a 4-3 and with rex coming back to a 3-4 we saw these guys affected before some of them and i'm like you know Maybe this could work. Rex is a legend. It's I mean, this is the Ryans, and here I am. The more I distance myself, uh, Kevin, it's like, you know, I, I just, I, I really feel like an asswipe how hard I backed up Rex Ryan. Just give him time. Sure. Like, like, because McDermott is doing such a wonderful job with this team right now, and, and I was, and I'm the one, even at the stadium the other day, telling Scott and his dad, like, uh oh, there's a communication error on defense. Oh, it's no big deal. It's like, no, 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 no. If that was Rex, we'd all be crushing him. We got to be objective. So I'm almost like, I want to give Coach McDermott time. And I'm still like, hey, 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 that's a problem we have with Rex. Don't just dismiss it. This guy has to prove himself. It's still only four games. And I don't mean to digress onto yeah. that, but I guess that's kind of has to do with what we're talking about is the coaching is smart and efficient. And, and, and you know what? Next time, I am on the ship of the fans that go, fuck that. We are not switching that shit again. No, no, no. You hear Ruben Brown go on on the Murphy show, you know, telling us he goes to Doug Whaley like, dude, you're hiring Rex Ryan? Come on. You know, like, I feel like a shithead, Kevin. (laughs) <laughs> Initially, it, it did it did seem like Jim Shore should have been elevated to head coach at the time. Um, I don't know how that would have worked out offensively. Um, who knows where we'd be today, but at least defensively, you can say that they would have um, been just as good then as they were. Dude, today. he, I will, I don't mean to cut you off, but can I talk about Jim Shore for a sec? Um, sure. I thought it was a little overrated that people wanted him, and I even ripped on it on the podcast a little bit because it's like, get the hell over it. You have Rex Ryan, a mastermind, he's going to figure it out, which we know how they went. But the thing is with Jim Schwartz, it's not for nothing. That guy had an 0-16 team, okay? Like, let's be real here. That's awful. How many people have dealt with that? Do you, do you follow me? It's like, how do you how how do you fire that guy after he brings you back into the playoffs? They, I don't care if you have a bad season or not. That's pretty awful. You know what I mean? He went two and fourteen his first year, two and ten the next year. You know, and it's like, come on, he was left with nothing, like literally nothing. So, sure. Within three years, or they're they're in the fucking playoffs, Kevin. You know what I mean? And then while well, he went down, and you went seven and nine his last year, and it's like, he's a smart guy. I don't think he's gonna. And every time I turn on on the Lions, he the you know it's like 
Matt Stafford's throwing bombs. You know what I mean? They had all the pieces there, and it's like, man, like I don't understand why you would fire you the guy at the time. Yeah, I, I really yeah. didn't. I, yeah. I thought, I don't know. It's just like anyone else does. Like we all, everyone that doesn't win games just makes rash decisions and fires their co- co- uh, coaches. The only time it's ever backfired, in my opinion, was the Jaguars hanging on to Gus Bradley for too long. Um and keeping them for way too long when the team wasn't very good. Other than that, holding on to your coach is never a bad idea. And no. if you look, and if you look at like the the Chargers now, like Gus Bradley's coaching them, I don't think they're very good either. So maybe Gus Bradley's just a bad coach. Um, he's coaching them as their defensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn's running into some hard luck, but that's that's just that's just not a very good def- defense. So um, I think you can say that holding on to your coach generally, outside of that one situation where some reason the Jaguars kept Gus Bradley with a terribly losing record um, for way too long. Other than that, I think you can say y- you should pretty much always give your guy at least four years, and that's if you give in, in Buffalo, we're, fat, we're having two years, three years, two years. Sorry, three years, two, if two, you go two. 0 and 16 and like two couple one seasons after that, um, you, you should, you know, and, and then you make the playoffs your third year. I mean, you should be, if that was a Buffalo coach, that guy would have a street named after him. Yeah, probably. You I know mean, what I mean? And, and that's the thing. But you don't know what's going on in the front office either where maybe Schwartz was just a, you know, who who knows? Who knows what happened there? It's more than just record on the field. You don't really know what happened to personnel or what players said about him to the to the ownership. I mean, you don't really know some of that secondary stuff, which can become important. Um, it, it is telling, like, you're right. In, in face value, he should, he should have gotten way more of a run. Um, but didn't be, there's more there. And then we probably don't know as we don't really cover the Lions, So we don't know really what happened there. Um, I think you can flip it back to the bills and say at this point, like with this roster who many predicted, like we were just talking about as being one of the worst defenses in the NFL, all of a sudden is playing at such a high level at three and one that, I mean, it's proven that he knows what he's doing. Um, so to make a rash decision after two years, is going to be, be a really really poor move and i mean you have to get it into them for four to five years here dave what do you do with i'm going to change topics here sure because what do you do with marcel darius i i mean i'm still a pretty big marcel darius defender but it just does not look like he's interested in playing football at this point in his career uh we talked about it a couple of shows ago um for you that you know we got in that show i don't know maybe three or four episodes ago um, and basically I, I think at this point he's made his money. It's, he's just really, he just does not look interested this year, um, and playing for Sean McDermott or whatever, whatever the situation is post Rex Ryan, he just doesn't look like he's, you know, giving it his all. And at that point, I do believe you need to move on from the player, um, and potentially try to get an asset out of him in the off season. Now Bill's, uh, lead reporter there, Chris Brown, um, he was on a John Murphy show. And he mentioned that Darius had talked to him before the game about putting on, uh, you know, a day or two before about putting on these, these, it sounds like ankle, like, I don't know, like an ankle brace that you wrap or something. Um, and to, to, to like try to support him. So I'm thinking like classic football stuff where the whole foot is like taped, you know what I mean, all the way around it. But 
I guess because he was sick of his ankles getting rolled up. Now, when I heard him, Chris Brown, go into this, I was like, okay, are they just kind of making some shit up for good PR? I mean, I don't know. It's not Chris Brown's style. So I'll trust Chris Brown. He's a, he's incredible. Um, and, and I'll, you know, I guess after the game, uh, you know, Darius is talking to him again and goes, uh, yeah, I'm only going to play with one brace on because I can't move. And honestly, it seems like that's what we saw. We didn't see an explosion at all. He got moved right the fuck out of the way in the goal line play, right out of the way. Like nothing happened. You know what I mean? And then Kyle gets pulled away too. So I don't know. I just kind of hearing that, okay, well, he's got another, uh, a little bit longer release for me. And, and going into it, I was like, man, he really doesn't care about football, which I can't blame him. You know what I mean? I can't. When you really don't give a fuck, how do you give a fuck? I've been in a lot of shit, and even with what I do for a living, sometimes I really don't give a fuck, but I still have to do a good job. I still have to be a professional, and a dude is costing the team a lot of money, and I just hope that no matter what, he's just being a professional because you and I have backed him for a long time. You know I think weed is a fucking joke. You know I get really offended when people like brag about getting drunk, make videos about getting fucking drunk. And then Dave, the guy who might smoke weed in his own fucking spare time, is look like an idiot. And, you know, I don't care what guys do in their own home. That's what they got to do to cure their pain. Sure. You know, we hear about all these players. I hear stories that go down to Florida. Oh, yeah, this feels very smoking. It's like, oh, shit. You know, and it's like, I don't care. I don't even got to look for it. We all get it here. But after a certain while, you got to get out of your own fucking way. And this is coming from somebody who is always in their own way. And it's like, you have to just really grasp they gotta get like i i hope they do like somebody did i got somebody to talk to him i'm sure kyle is probably sick of talking to him and, and what do you do he just needs to get it together for himself and what the bills need to do here kevin is they need to protect their investment so what do you do with that you don't bust his balls the best case scenario for you is you get some fruition towards progress out of marcel darius and honestly with these ankles things on there, we did not see explosion. We didn't see the Marcel that we're used to. Uh, the 10 sack, you know, Marcel. It's like, that's not what we've been seeing. At the same time, it could be a bad combination of a bunch of shit, but your coach is calling them out. At the same time, that's what coaches do, and the coaches aren't the ones in pain, and they're always going to put more pressure on the players, listen to players behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? So... You're kind of stuck in this what the fuck is Marcel doing type shit. And at the same time, maybe Marcel is just doing Marcel. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't know. But I do know that the Pagulas need to protect their investment on Marcel Darius. And the way to do that is you have to encourage him and you have to give him an opportunity to get better. And there's no crime in holding him accountable. It's just you don't have to shame him and make him, you don't have to give him more of a reason to not work. You follow me? If he says, if McDermott says something honest, well, you know, I'd like to see more out of Marcel. Okay, that might be honest. That's not something he could really get mad at because only he knows if he's giving it his all. It's just if you want to plaster him or put out negative things about him, rumors or whatever, which has been proven from teams to do to get a point across or send a message or you want to treat him like shit and make a big thing about it, you're not going to get your investment to play. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I agree with that. And I just think Sean McDermott, right. Unfortunately for as many players as he's been able to connect with, I think that's one where he's, he hasn't been able to, um, you know, and, and at this point I think it's going to be, you know, it, it is what it is. It's going to be one of those situations to where, um, much like the Jets had to do with their, you know, their stud Sheldon Richardson. I mean, it's going to take, it's going to take a trade in my opinion. So, um, it is what it is. You know, what's going to happen. And I hate, I hope this doesn't happen to Marcel is I think the team is going to pass him by if he doesn't pick it up because, of course. because the team now is winning without him. The most, the, 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 the highest paid man has to walk into that building. Look, I saw Marcel on the sidelines this, this this camp, and you did too. I thought he was very attentive, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and say I think he's slacking. That's not what I saw. And I said the same thing about Sammy Watkins. I see the kids shuffling in the locker room. I'm not going to, you know, barely walking at the end of practice. You know, it's like these guys work hard. And Marcel's on the sideline talking with the guys in his group and going over plays and going over at camp. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't buy when I see a photo of him and his, his defensive line coach there who's an, who's allegedly a maniac, but he's not. You know, it seems to be like what they do is, oh, he was great on hard knocks. No, that's not really how he is. Okay, sure. Right. You know, and Marcel has some look at him like, okay, old man, who the fuck are you talking to? But all that is is a dumb picture caption. I think it was in like the Buffalo News. It's like, of course, it's clickbait. You know what I mean? So it's like, come on, man. I have a bitchy resting face, too. I always look mad. Maybe Marcel just looks mad or sad. I don't know. You know, he seems like a pleasant gentleman, and it is what it is. I wish him the best because, man, I, I love when he's on. But I'll tell you, the people behind him, I, like, what, why didn't Adolphus Washington play? Was it because Marcel was up? I, I mean, I, I, presumably, but the original was Cedric Thornton was playing much better than him. So, um, you know, Adolphus has his moments of, of concentration lapses, too, so – you know, between him and Darius, I just I just think that they're completely, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially you can say they're moving away from any old regime guys. Um, offensively, yeah, they're 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 you know playing with Tyra Taylor, playing with Sashawn McCoy, they're playing with their offensive line who's pretty much the same. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, you can say they're really not willing to make any like changes for these players um, schematically, and I, and I, and it is what it is. But I don't I don't I, I don't see. You know, Leslie, Leslie Frazier is going to do what he's going to do. And for some reason, Dolph and um, Marcel Darius are two of one, some of the remaining players from the old defense, except Preston Brown. Um, so, you know, it's, they're not a good fit and they're going to move on without him. You really think so? Yeah, I think they're I think this is the last season you see of Marcel Darius um, outside of something, you know, complete change in the last 12 games. I think this is it. They'll feel the best offer. I, I could see a moving a very similar change that they did with Watkins, where they're going to take another positional player, uh, maybe look at, you know, maybe do the reverse, look for a receiver or something in the off season. But um, I think they've already proven to do player for player scheme deals that fit their scheme. So I, I really could think you could see a post, I believe it's a post six, one trade designation on Darius next season uh, really gets you out from under the cap. So, um, there is ways around it, and I do see him being moved effectively in this offseason. Now, here's the deal, though, is you have to put something on tape for people to believe in. I think he has enough tape, Dave, So, like 
I don't know if there's enough tape to show that he gives a fuck. That's the problem. Well, then that's a problem that he shouldn't be playing anyway. And that's, I think that's, there is, that, I'm saying if that's the issue. That would justify the Bills move then. You got to, I don't know, you got to hope their agent does the job. It's just, I don't know why Marcel wouldn't want to play on this team. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he does or doesn't. He uh, needs a player's coach, man. I think everyone's different. Every player is different. Some people can't play for Belichick because he's not a player's coach. I mean, I, I really think that you need a specific type of coach for him, and I think that he can excel uh, underneath a different program across the, you know, the NFL. So I, I just don't, I don't know that this situation, I mean, he needs like almost like Rex Ryan back in a way, man, um, that's not what I'm looking for though. I want this guy to play in the bills forever. I really do. I really want him to reach his potential, especially not, especially because let's be real here. Um, you know, he ain't young, but at the same time, these guys get to play until their later years, and he is a freak athlete, and he is so talented, and I've defended him in the past because he's had a lot of things happen, you know, and a lot of personal things, and it's like, that, that sucks. You know, it really I mean, sucks, it's, it's but, but like, fault, every, this, everybody has their shit, too. Exactly, but in this profession, we're going to get making $100 million. I mean, we all have our stuff, me included, but I'm not making $100 million to perform on the field. Um, you're not either. So like he is, so he needs to, you know, be held to that standard and he also needs to actually want to be here. Um, and at this point he's not really showing that for us. I just hope he's being professional and that's all I can ask. And he can show up, you know, he shows up on the field. He wasn't earlier in the season when he can't even show up to a preseason game. So you got to remember that some of this is on him. This isn't just, you know, McDermott being hard on him. He's, um, toward the end of last year and coming into this year with the new change, he might just be over it. He's like, I'm making a hundred million dollars. I'm making this money anyways. Who cares? I don't really care about winning. I'm just going to be here and do the best that I can. And that's kind of the attitude he's showing right now is that, you know, he's playing in, you know, 20, 20 something snaps, which is the lowest in the, in the whole entire Bills defense. So, right. um, you know, at some point that's just not a hundred million dollars. You could sign a third round pick to do that, Dave. Um, so, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to get your free up that cap space and potentially receive another asset, uh, in a, in a process that, you know, he might not fit into. Um, so I, I do think that he would, I think he would already be moved if it wasn't a cap strapped position, to be honest. So I, I'm usually someone that defends him, but this season has been ridiculous. Um, and I think some of his true colors has popped through. It's unfortunate. Um, next topic, the bills wide receiver position. Jordan Matthews has had surgery on his thumb hand and, uh, yep. Thumb. So he's out for over a month, six weeks, something like that. I would say probably four, three games with the bye. I would say he can come back, uh, and probably four weeks. Okay, so the Bills signed back Philly Brown. That was a guy that I was hoping would stick on the roster, anyways. Yeah, he made the initial team. Hmm. He got he made the initial roster cut. He got cut the next day for uh, when they traded for Kalen Clay. Um, but he made the initial team um, with the roster, and then they claimed a couple of players, and he got cut there. But he was in a he was a perfect situation to where someone that knows the system was here. I thought he played fine. I mean, I think he's just a you know just your your normal run of the mill third and fourth receiver. To me, he shouldn't have been out there. I I, I don't know. I don't think he's great, but I also don't think that I think there's a lot of deficiency. They, they like him on special teams, man. They, they they really do like him on special teams. It's always been his deal. 
um, that they've talked about. And honestly, yeah, and it's gonna get it's uh, gonna get Tate inactive again. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I think they didn't they say they like him as like a gunner or something. Or am I out of my mind? Like, I don't think he actually returned Maybe the ball. Maybe in preseason. Yeah, that's what no, I'm he saying. Can, he, like, he doesn't really... He can he's, punt he's, not a, he's not a returner. He, he he can punt return. Um, will he? I don't know. Um, but he has shown that ability. So, I don't know. I think he adds a couple of dynamics to the field where, you know, for some reason, they although Brandon takes a fine returner, they've been making him inactive for a reason. I mean, he doesn't really do anything else. So, um, at this point, you have to do more than just return, like, one kick a game and a couple puns like that's just not enough to give you a roster an active roster spot where someone like philly brown can take a couple gunner snaps a couple snaps on uh, offense all of a sudden that's worth it right right um yeah and and i was making a case on twitter for steve johnson as a kind of a joke but not i was like you know man all he's got to do is just get open and play sandline football get over for tyrod and uh, yeah, that, I mean it'll be cute, but it ain't happening. I'm psyched that. Uh, I just don't think he's he's to the level of playing NFL football. He's been hurt like two out of three years. He, so like, unfortunate for him. He's so he, good, man. I think he would be good with Tyrod specifically because yeah. of his ability to be random. Yeah. I don't think he's good for everyone. Like River, like players who are more more conventional. That's what I'm um, trying to. That's what I'm trying to say, man. When plays break down. I trust that the dude would get open. You know what I mean? And you can't. Revis couldn't stick him. I, and he could be like, all right, dude, I'm just going to end up over here in the spot, in the spot, in the spot. That said, he ain't moving all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just don't I don't know that how his workout would be. Like, no one even gave him a go, so he, he can't be up to NFL standards anymore. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Even though he's not that old, I just don't think he kept his body up. He kept getting hurt. It, just, it was always the curse of him, man. No, that's true. Um, yeah, so... You give someone who knows the system inside and out, like Philly Brown, a chance. And then you have a couple of guys in the practice squad that will get called up here soon, um, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I think I think I want to see the Riley kid play, man. And uh, due to Walt Powell being cut there, I think that that opens the door for, um, you know, one of those practice squad players to eventually come up here and once again in Dupree or in Brandon Riley, who the, the coaching staff really likes. But I, I think that whatever happened with Walt Powell and his four-game suspension when he showed back up into the building, um, they, they didn't like what they saw or something happened there that did eventually bring back Philly Brown. And I don't think that that changes the fact that I, you know, I, I don't think that Brandon Tate will stick on this roster for very long. Do you know how disappointed I was, honestly, that Walt Powell was cut? I'm like, what the fuck did this guy do? They were doing him a lot in preseason. Dude, so I, I loved him in preseason. He made so... That kid is just naturally gifted. He he must have some. But once again, he's one of those cases where um, they kept him for four games. They would have just cut him, honestly, Dave. So there must have been something he came back with. They asked him a couple questions. He failed a test, or he failed some playbook thing, or he failed something physically, or wasn't healthy or in shape, or some variation of all of those. Um, and then once they they realized he wasn't going to have plans on this roster, they went in immediately the next day. They meet, I mean they immediately went and signed Philly Brown. So. Um, I do think that that was a direct replacement there. And then I still think one of the young players does come up here uh, maybe in the next week or two. I hope so. Um, special teams is a real thing. Um, currently, I don't like to build special teams. I'm sorry. There's some good plays, but it ain't good enough. It is not good enough. Um, I'm almost at a point where I want to go through Crossman's career. 
and I want to go through the game logs, and I want to see what all the special teams yeah. penalties have been because there is something fucked up about the technique. There, there's something, there's just something. I don't know shit, but there's just something where it's the same penalties or it's the same bullshit. Like, there's, like, the, the, these teams get such good returns on him. I don't understand. I don't he, he must understand. present something in the locker room or with expertise or with player selection. You ever, sit, you ever sit in front of him? I got to sit in front of him at camp at the presser, and dude, he even shut Chris Brown down, okay? And I don't know why, but he's definitely, like, very professional, and he could definitely sell you on anything because he's that confident. And he's a, and he's out there yelling and shit. But, like, when I see a guy with Ross who has no depth catching the ball, okay, no depth perception, whatever, catching the ball, and you can't run the rest of your special teams play, guess what? You got to fucking put somebody else in there so you can run it correctly. Because how do you not see day one that this kid can't... How do you get to the NFL level returning kicks and you don't know how to play center field catching a ball? Like, seriously. I think he, in his defense, he regressed because he had a really good year. I don't know if it was two or three years ago, but yeah. Regressed? Did he lose fucking eyeballs? Was he He playing with, like, bifocals? Confidence. I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't know what goes into being a punt returner, but kick returner. But he did have a check his stats. He was he was a fairly decent player that just I don't know. I don't know what happens. Just like anyone, something could have happened. He could have nagging injuries. I don't know. I don't really, not really sure what they saw in him. But either way, I, I, I'm pretty pretty hard on Crossman. I don't think he deserved to even make it to this point. Uh, I don't think I like a single thing about the special teams outside of our kicker um, that he apparently had a say in i guess according to mcdermott he had a say in bringing in um in bringing in hauschka and not you know needing that extra roster spot on the freaking kickoff specialist which had to have been him as well so like i just i just i just don't i don't i don't really like him as a coach i think the unit one thing that's been constant you write in penalties i think it's gotten a little better this year on special teams specifically um but yeah it's, he's just not no 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 he, disrespect that could be a special teams coach i think i could I yeah, really in do. Terms of, I really in do terms because of, I, I think oh. that I think that shit. I, I don't think they're now they're starting to evolve special teams a little bit and kickoffs. You know, we saw the pooch kick. Oh, cute, cool. Well, you know, if we can't cover the kicks, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Like the Bills got really lucky that that ball was not brought back to the house. And I am sick of a stupid. Spe- I can't remember the last time we've had a special teams touchdown. I think it was Leotis McCalvin, wasn't it, or was it one after that? On a punt return, okay? Either can you, Kevin. That's my fucking point. You want to upgrade? Well, go through where his special teams rank every single year. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was not good in Detroit. I think he might have had one mediocre season, okay? And he's lasted this long, and I wish him the best always. I wish all these coaches the best. But if we're talking accountability and trusting the process, figure this the fuck out. That said... You had some injuries out there, and you got guys that, you know, Matt Milano, he's going to be fucking playing linebacker and special teams. His head is going to be spinning. So you also have injuries. But guess what? That's all special teams is, is depth and injured injured players for every coach in the league. Not acceptable in my book. Sorry. Figure the fucking shit out or get the fuck out. I agree. I don't have any defense for Danny Crossman at this point. So I don't. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a very good coach. And um, I, I, I don't like our return game. I, I really, I, I really, I, I think he, he has to present some type of leadership in, in, in meetings, man. I mean, there, there's no other question there. I mean, there's no other answer to the question. So um, I think that's, that's pretty much the only thing he possesses. He must, maybe he has an eye. Remember special teams coaches can have a real eye for talent on offense and defense too. Their, their, their sole job isn't just to, to cover kicks it's they, they present like who are the most talented players on the team apparently some of their their scouting is supposed to be some of the hardest in all of coaching so uh, I, don't, I don't know i'll I don't be know honest with you kevin I'll, I'll be honest with you man um i think there is a lot to special teams so i don't I, i'm gonna rebuttal on what i said i can't coach special teams okay i don't know enough about the game but i think that they don't get enough credit to special teams coaches at the same time, it's a unit where you're not supposed to notice it. You know what I mean? You're supposed to be like, oh, okay, well, they kicked the ball to the five and they got it at the 20. Okay, that's not bad. Let's go, team, go. Yeah, all right, guys, let's just uh, let's just get some momentum. You know? That's it. Maybe we can pin them deep. Okay, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying – that it's got to be some kind of fundamentals that's being coached in these players because it's either a run back or uh, or, or a special teams penalty. The, it, now, the special teams hasn't been, like, horrible this year. I don't think it's horrible. I just don't think it's good enough. And I think when you look at it, there's many different ways to do many different things, and there's many different techniques. And... I trust the fact that McDermott is pretty bright. And we see how fast they make adjustments on the offensive side of the ball with that offensive line, by the way. So I'd like to actually transition into the offensive line on real quick. Um, Richie Incognito, he was asked to do some different things, some stuff that we like to see. And I almost wonder if uh, Richie and McCoy maybe put a little word in like, hey, guys, uh, this is what we do. Richie fucks shit up and I run behind him. Hi, I'm LaShawn McCoy. You know, maybe that happens. So I like to see them actually making adjustments relatively quick, this team. Yeah, I mean, the problem with their offensive line right now is that John Miller and Eric Wood aren't playing very good. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to make a big step up on, on that, that center and the right side of the offensive line. Actually, Mills isn't even the weak link to me right at this point. He's playing average football, which is fine. Um, you know, you have John Miller, who's playing pretty, pretty bold, rookie year football for him, who's really been pretty poor at PFF. And Eric Wood, who's actually one of the lowest ranked centers, starting centers right now. So um, they're, they're going to need to figure out a way to 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 fix that up the middle. They've, they've had to play some ridiculously talented uh, defensive tackles. So that ha- could have a little bit to do with it. But, um, you know, it doesn't get easier get... against the Bengals. No, you got another one. So you got the fifth straight defensive tackle who's very good. Um, you know, it should get a little bit easier as the season goes on when they play a couple more teams, but no, the first five in terms of interior offensive linemen, um, you know, they're going to have their, their hands full with another defensive tackle. Um, that's, you know, very, very good at football. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to struggle to move the ball. Um, if those two don't get on the same page or they're, they're not playing very well. So that would be my initial conclusion of the offensive line there. Uh, Dawkins has actually been okay. Glenn didn't play very good when he was in. Uh, Incognito has been, you know, pretty good. Glenn was good. back at practice today, by the way, which is Wednesday. 
for uh, yeah, he was, people listening. He, I heard he was backing up Dawkins. Right. Now, here's the deal. Um, Richie Incognito spoke very highly of Dawkins. And um, it seems like Dawkins is a goddamn sponge. Um, I love what I'm seeing out of him. He, from all accounts, looks and, and is acting like he's willing to learn. Uh, I think you and I talked about uh, Kyle Williams and uh, who was it? Somebody else, maybe, maybe it was Eric Wood, working, I don't know, somebody somebody showing Deion Dawkins some shit um, to handle uh, Von Miller, possibly, you know. Um, it was definitely around the Denver game. I heard something on the sidelines. Um, so it's like, you know, you just want these guys to just play in the quote-unquote buy-in and do their part. And Deion Dawkins is doing nothing but his part. And honestly, you know, you got Cordy Glenn under contract. Give him time to come back. Like, damn, dude. All he really needs is time. He's already proven it. And sometimes, look, we got a good thing going on right now. This this line is, hey, look, it, it's, it's shaky. It's inconsistent. It should be the word. At the same time, we have the perfect quarterback. We have a coach that's game planning for this and around this. And, I mean, coaches do it in different ways. You know what line I don't think was too good? Was Shane Gailey's offensive line for years. But the thing is, is he just schemed around it. He ran out of spread formations. He ran out of a pistol. He ran out, you know what I mean, out of out of passing looks to, to, to you know, really disguise that at the time, which was cutting edge at the time. He And, you know, he got rid of the ball in three seconds or, or three steps. You know, it's like the ball is just out. Steve Johnson slant. Steve Johnson slant. Steve Johnson slant. How many times? You know, Steve Johnson comeback. Like how many a, a dumb drag route? Something simple. Short, out of the hands quick, boom. I mean, see Tom Brady for years, you know? So there's definitely definitely different ways to mask this offensive line. And with Tyrod Taylor, it's almost like you're in a perfect situation. And with Richie Incognito, yeah, you know what? We're going to blend some more power plays back into the game. That's kind of cool. I really like that, that, that at least the coaching staff is open-minded and listening to the players. That's great. This is a sports team where really from top to bottom, as Russ Brandon was saying years ago in the marketing thing, lockstep. You know, branding, branding words, lockstep. Yeah, we're all in lockstep. Well, this team looks like it's in lockstep. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot to building a football team. And, you know, it goes to you need to have the right pieces in place. And if, if players aren't going like back to the full, making a full circle at this point, I'm kind of coming back to all of our topics. Um, you know, if your players aren't going to buy into the, to the quote unquote process, there's only so much you can do um, to develop your players. So you, you need people to buy in or that becomes as contagious as anything as we've seen in years past. So um, I, I do believe that if you have young players beating out some of the veteran players, uh, you need to make sure that they're playing like Dawkins. If, if something's going on with Glenn, being on the field's half the battle. Um, so if you're if you're going to be hurt, and, and Cordy has played through injuries throughout his career, but you know every other season he has a major back issue, uh, he has a hip issue, he has ankle injuries, he has foot injuries. Um, you just need to be able to play the sport. So um, I don't care how talented you are. You know, if he loses his job there, maybe he transitions over to right tackle and takes over from Mills. Um, I do see some variation of of that happening where um, either him or Dawkins could flip to the right side. Um, probably actually Glenn, because if you teach Glenn the right side, at least you have Dawkins playing the left side. Right. And, and you're able to have Mills go back into right if, if, if Cordy gets hurt. So 
I, I mean, I think you have so many options for Cordy Lund at this point. Who knows? People have talked about him moving to the right side, you know? Which is just as important, especially with a moving quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, who gets out of the pocket, who really doesn't stand in the pocket. So left and right don't really matter to him because you you need tackles that can that can do their job. Not He's not going to stand back there and get blindsided. He's not that kind of quarterback. Uh, he's always going to feel the pressure. That's one time something he's good at. He's always going to scramble out and he's going to either make the throw or he's not, um, you know, putting Cordy on the right side wouldn't, it doesn't really do any specifically to a running and mobile quarterback. It doesn't really matter. So if he's the best, one of the best tackles, you know, you play him at right tackle over Mills. Now, um, one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, real quick, just a few minutes uh, on the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals, I think, are a team you don't sleep on. Allegedly, they have the number three defense. And, you know, the Bills have had to play a bunch of defensive styles right out the gate. Um, so, that offensive line, I'm hoping, will gel a little bit better. And, again, though, I really think it comes back down to what we were just talking about, which is that offensive line. Um, I, I'm very nervous because teams have passed. You know, Changi, we had one haunting quote years ago and he goes well we're on this street you gotta learn how to win you got and you gotta learn how to how to keep winning and and, and learn how to accept winning you know and some whatever coach gargling he had going on which love changeli but you know like th- that really is a thing like i don't want this team slacking in preparation you got guys asking mcdermott do you like what mccoy said or do you want them to like chill out a little bit it's like, dude, really? You can't? That's what you ask? Like, hey, LaShawn's having a little too much fun. What do you think McDermott's going to say? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, right. You know, I, I yeah, I mean, know. If, you, if, you, if you look at the Cincinnati, uh, that team, I mean, that all, I mean, they're built similar to, to a Bills team, especially this Bills team, where, you know, they have some weapons on offense. They're not particularly very good on offense. They've struggled. Um, you know, they've, they've struggled on their offensive line. They struggle beside A.J. Green. They, they as well struggle at that receiver position. Brandon LaFell has been kind of a shell of himself. Um, and, you know, to me, I mean, they're they're not going to put up points in a hurry. Um, you know, they've gotten to play some, you know, some some pretty bad teams. And, and they lost to Houston 13-9. Uh, you know, they played Green Bay and lost them in a close game. Um, you know, played Cleveland, who's not very good. Uh, if not the worst team in the NFL. So, I mean, those their numbers are skewed. They got shut up by Baltimore week one, 20 to nothing. Um, so, and Baltimore's a mess themselves right now. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't really think that they present a challenge other than them being an NFL team. I mean, okay. I don't think they're very, they're not, they're very good, but they're not very good, but it's any given Sunday like we saw last week with the Bills. So, you, um, got, you got Geno Atkins, though. Okay, sure. And Incognito was just on on the Murphy show, and he was talking. He's like, he's going to be doubled. Now, that could just be some shit because Richie ain't stupid that you spew out there, hoping that maybe the Bengals latch to that and maybe try to game plan against it. Um, and they show their cards early, and the Bills. I mean, you got to run on them, to be honest. I mean, they're the twenty third. I mean, they're like uh, like maybe eighteenth on, on defensive run stops. So, so that's 17th. that's my next point is at least we have, of all people, Richie Incognito going up against Atkins. At the same time, I mean, he ain't invincible, Incognito. And it's like, he's been exposed before, but you know what I like about him is he owns it. He totally owns it. Like, 
I forgot who it was. Uh, what game was it? And he's like, dude, that guy just, that guy got me. I forgot who it was. Man, I thought the Bills just played him. Um, anyways, mm. uh, it, I, I'm drawing a blank. But, you know, I don't want to sleep on the Bengals, but damn, dude, I don't see a reason to fucking not feel confident in a win to be, I, you know, as Bills fans, we hate to say that because we're not used to it and anything can happen, but... I'll be honest, I am trusting the motherfucking process, Kevin, and I am trusting that this team is going to be prepared and not not slip I mean, up. It's pretty it's pretty simple on defense. I mean, they, they suck uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball. Like they have one good player shut down AJ Green, Tyler Eifert's still not playing. Their first round pick John Ross is still hurt. Uh, I mean, you have to pretty much I mean, just sell out and, and stop AJ Green and, and, and make sure you're you're watching those running backs. Outside of that, I mean there's really it's really not a hard game plan defensively. Offensively, you know, with their average to below average run defense, I mean you just have to run on them. I mean it's that's the game plan. I mean, it's what you're supposed to do really well. It should match up pretty well for you. Um, but you know, you're going to their house and uh, they're coming off their first one of the season, so um, you know, it, it is, there, there's still a small parody in the NFL. So, I mean, any, any, any given week, I don't really consider anyone weak except a few, few teams at the bottom, 49ers, Browns, et cetera. So, um, Indianapolis without luck, you know, I don't think Miami's very good. The Chargers aren't very good, but the Bengals are at least a slight step above that to where they, they can win football games. They play in a pretty good division. Um, you know, they could beat anyone from the Steelers or they could lose to anyone like the Browns. So I don't, I don't, you know, they're, they're a team of, they're, to me, they're built like a traditional Bills teams where very inconsistent, you know, they're going to finish around six and 10, um, seven and nine, just like any other Bills team. They'll, they'll finish a little better than their one and three start. Um, but I just, I just don't think that that's a very good football team and they're going to lose more than they win. Uh, meaning they're seven and nine. And I'm glad they actually beat the Bengals last week. Cause I wouldn't want to play them at, uh, oh, and four there's, you know, they, they'd be out to win a game, especially at home. Well, their boy, who makes it rain at the club, Adam Jones, Pac-Man Jones. I mean, he has nine tackles. and Yeah, he hasn't played very good at all. I don't know. He's, I mean, he could still play. Didn't he have, like, a good punt return or something? I mean, maybe, but as, as far as – maybe, but as far as the defensive cornerback spot, uh, PFF has him ranked pretty, pretty low uh, throughout the first four games. So um, their defense is okay. It's not going to be something that's going to – uh, win them too many games in my opinion, but it, it is a good defense. What do you think about um, Humber being out uh, to switch to the Bills' defense? Then I don't mean I to like just a, digress, but yeah, know. I just think it's a small step back to to Milano. I think he's although he's a tackles machine, I just think that position allows for it. So uh, I, I hope he settles in. <clears throat> right. Okay. Um, we'll have to see. Oh, anything else you think about this game? Anything you're looking to see? Um, I, I thought Tyrod played outstanding. Uh, you know, he's. I really agree with a lot of people that watch this team from the outside. Man, Bills fans are really hard on this team. At the same time, I love Bills fans because when a guy like Rex Ryan comes in, they sniff that guy out, and they give it hell. And you know, um, I gotta say, uh, any thoughts? I had a couple notes I jotted down here. Um, I had something to, to rant about yeah. too, Stefan Gilmore. Thoughts? Um, I just I think he had some unfortunate calls against uh, in the last game against Carolina. Some of those were pretty ticky tack five yard penalties to change the game 
Um, you know, Gilmore, I, I think, is better than that. Um, I, I don't think he deserves the criticism he got just because, once again, New England decided to pay him. It wasn't his fault. I mean, he is what he is. He's probably – he's a pretty solid cornerback, but he's not someone that you should be paying 12 13 14 15 million dollars to. Okay, and also – uh, the Chargers fans are actually pretty real as far as ditching their team. I thought that was pretty incredible that you're an hour and a half away from L.A. and you only need to fill a 30,000-seat, maybe even 25,000-seat stadium, and it's empty. And uh, throwing it out there, if you want to go to L.A., I would go to L.A. to watch that. <laughs> I wish I could fit it in my travel schedule. Dude, it would be a blast. I think... Yeah, no. I feel so bad for that team. Um, You know, it, it just shows you what a joke the NFL has become. And it's like, you know, Roger Goodell made a promise. He made a promise to the owners that, you know, we're going to be a billions of dollar business, yada, yada, yada. But he never put the word integrity in there. And the NFL has gotten themselves into some dumb shit by trying to set a standard for the kids and the women, you know, try to set a standard and we're going to suspend our players. We're going to publicize it. And really it's honestly come to backfire and like the transparency that, Hey, you know, it's just one of those things where, Hey, it's just about the TV revenue. It's just about the TV revenue. You know, what's really disgusting is that that's how it's just loosely said. Well, Hey guys, it's just money. It's just money. Hey, it's just, Hey, what do you do? You know what? No integrity. It's just money. That's all. Well, the problem is, like, I don't think, I don't think, like, here, especially when you're talking about that team, I don't think San Diego has much say. And they're a terrible fan base, so I don't really care um, about where they play, whether it's in L.A. or San Diego. That their fans suck anyway. So I think it's a very, I think it's very hypocritical on both sides of the whole. Jesus, Kevin. On both sides of it, though. So I, I don't think they had anything to complain about. They weren't a fan base like Green Bay or or Buffalo or, I mean, it just. I don't. I, it's it's marginal two two three hours north. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't think they care. They just surf. They watch occasional college sports and mind their own business. I don't really think they care much, that much about their NFL team. Well, Kevin, that's all we got, bud. So where can we find you? What's up? And anything you want to say? Um. Well, traveling this week, so where you are you? Too, you won't see me too too much around uh, Washington D.C. So for what? Uh, had a work conference and celebrating our anniversary here. So and what's your anniversary? First year of what? Of marriage. Yeah, I know of, you got to tell a class. I know, I know what okay. it is, but not you know it might be an anniversary of a dog, a cat. Yeah, no, it's just your your first year anniversary. So we turned a, a small work uh, convention into you know a long weekend and check out some of those monuments down here and see what's going on. It's a pretty cool city. So, um, you know, we're excited to see more of it. We've only been here for a day. So, and then, so you, you, you can usually find me always, you know, at my handle at Kevin Masseri on Twitter. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm most notably at this point going to be on my lock on bills podcast. That's pretty much where I am exclusively now at this point. I'm, I'm really into that. Look, Kevin, thank you for everything. As always, and uh, you have a good evening, okay? You too, Dave. You right, finish bro. off your, your game strong, man. Thank you. All right, see you later. See ya. That was Kevin. Love having Kevin on. 
it was nice. The reason I like to talk to Kevin, I have a very, I feel I have a good chemistry with Kevin because if there was one criticism I have gotten my entire life consistently is I ramble. And Kevin is cool because we can ramble together and go down some theories and, and he brings up some points and perspectives that I don't really look at sometimes and he really gets me to expand on my thoughts so it's always nice to shoot the breeze with kevin so again make sure you follow kevin on twitter and all that kevin m-a-s-s-a-r-e everywhere and subscribe to lockdown bills podcast also subscribe to rock Power report podcast if you don't um you know and we all have our own demographics you know cover one now is a draft podcast show which is still great um, you don't get your draft all the time. Eric Eric Turner is the hardest working guy, most consistent guy um, that I know. I think he takes on a lot of work and, you know, appreciate the work he puts into his, his stuff. So check out everything out. Grandstand Sports Network has all, all the stuff up there. You know, if you like a, a produced show, you got to check out Rock Power Report. I'm just going to press record and go. So check those guys out. Drew has some great thoughts. He brings up some points I never think of. And I feel bad for Chris. He has to deal with them all the time. But, like, that guy does, I mean, their intro is absolutely disgusting. Like, it, it makes my intro feel like a piece of shit. But, I mean, at least I wrote the riffs. That's kind of cool. little humble brag. Anyways, you just pay me, people to record you. You know, they do it. It's called the studio. Doesn't mean you're special. Anybody can go in there. All right, so I'm your host, David Palermo. Thank you for everything. Make sure you you check out Grandstand Sports Network. Also, Punch Drunk Sports on Twitter, everywhere else, too. And check out their podcast. And lastly, numbillsfan.com is all the content. If you'd like to subscribe, um, please do. Please do. I'm running a contest as well. Come sit with me at the game. Send in a review wherever you review podcasts. I don't care if it's iTunes or somewhere else. Make a post. Maybe if you can't get an iTunes review, maybe get like five people in front of you to subscribe and show me that they subscribe with like screenshots and stuff. Make a case or send me an email, davidunbillsfan.com. Send me an email why you think maybe you should sit next to me at the game and really regret it. Do you really want to sit next to me? Okay, I'm not that bad. I really don't drink. Um, pretty much on a straight and narrow there because I like to stay focused. If I, last time I drank at a Bills game heavy was the Steelers game last year, and I'm like, what do you mean they lost? I was in the block. I, I told the story many times. I was in the box with my friend Anthony Hayward, uh, Tugboat. If you know Tugboat, the, the hip-hop star here in Rochester, New York. Um, Tugboat's the man. Love Anthony. Old friend. And next thing you know, I'm sitting next to, like, this lady talking and her husband, and we're talking about, like, I think she was a, uh, a sociologist or damn it <laughs> talking to myself here this is great uh a sociology professor so interesting conversation and i was like eating sushi and some kind of like really good prime rib up there and really hammered off of gin and tonics and um because that's how i roll is with the gin and tonic don't laugh at me i'm just me and Long story short, I didn't really realize Le'Veon Bell ran for like 200 plus yards. I was like, but the Bills had so many turnovers. Oh, the Bills Bills themselves. What else is new? At least back then. So, 
thank you everybody for checking it out. I don't really drink at the game, but if you want to come hang out, if you live in Rochester or even want to meet me at my crib, just don't stab me. Like you can come to the game and I'll even give you a ride. I drive there and I drive home and I take back roads. So I don't drive like a maniac because I ain't putting the wear and tear on that throughway. Because so many people drive like ass wipes. They don't know how to drive. The left lane is for passing only. Move the fuck over. All right. I'm your host, David Palermo. I'm really leaving. Find everything. Numb Bills fan everywhere. See ya.